0: Today, we're going to talk about one of my two favorite subjects. Um, Of course, one is cash flow, which is why the Rich Dad Company exists. And uh, I love cash flow because what cash flow is, is that money coming in every month that gives you the freedom to do what it is you want to do. And as I was thinking about what really is the freedom of cash flow, one of the freedoms you get from having that cash flow, especially when your cash flow is greater than your living expenses, is that you have the freedom to not worry about money. And to not worry about how you're going to pay for that new roof or not worry about how you're going to pay for, you know, going out with the girls some nights that maybe you can't afford so much. Not having to worry about the bills is one of the freedoms you get from cash flow. And that is definitely one of my favorite subjects. And my other favorite subject is the world of entrepreneurship. And we have two great entrepreneurs to talk to today. We're going to talk a little bit about what's changing in the world of business And uh, what stays the same? And, you know, for me, being an entrepreneur for, geez, 30 years now, I'm dating myself. But it's, yeah, it's been 30 years since 1984. I started my very, very first business from scratch, as did these two women we're going to meet today. And, um, you know, I found out some things do change, but some things do remain the same. And as I looked at the world of business, I found there's really three main subjects, three main pieces that must be part of your business if you want it to be successful. And what I mean by successful is something that really is making a positive impact in the world. You know, people say, well, I have a business and it supports my family. Well, and that's fantastic. I'm talking about businesses that really make an impact in your community, in your town, in your country, and ideally in the world. So these are three broad pieces that I believe must be part of every business. And you're gonna hear this from these two women today. One is that your business has to solve a problem. It must solve a problem. Look at the automobile. It solved the problem of people getting around besides by horse. For most people, the problem they solve is I don't have any money. Well, that's great, that solves a problem for you and your family. But if you can solve a problem for many, many people, you're going to have many, many customers. Number two, people have to hear about you. How do you get yourself known? Once you have a product, how do you get yourself out there so people hear about it? So the second part is how do you get yourself known? There's a lot of great. I was just at an art show the other day. There's a lot of great artists out there: jewelry makers, painters, um, woman that paints on pillows. Yet they're only in their community because they cannot get themselves known. There's a lot of talent out there. So a question we're going to ask both of our guests today is: How do you get yourself known once you have your product or your service? And the third thing I'm going to save for later in the show on that third piece because I want to get started right now with our first guest, Amy Jo Martin. And Amy Jo Martin is a New York Times bestselling author. Her book is Renegades Write the Rules. She's a speaker and founder of digital royalty. And her clients included Hilton Hotels, Shaquille O'Neal, Fox Sports, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So Amy Jo, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kim. How did you get started in the world of entrepreneurship? And then what, and what exactly is digital royalty?
1: Sure. So I guess back in 2007, 2008, when I was experimenting with social communication, social media, uh, I was right around the 2008 election when President Obama used social communication quite heavily. And so so this was
0: when you so you got involved in social media when it was pretty new. It was pretty in the kind of on the cutting edge, almost
1: very new. Yes. Um, and, And that was just more Twitter. Facebook dates back even a few years prior to that. And of course, YouTube back to that. Um, But as it relates to using social for business, that was that was a new thing. It was something that was very uh, unheard of and and people didn't really know what to do.
0: Right. Well, I I remember with our company, we uh, we we, you know, touched put our toes in the water with it, but we weren't sure how to use it effectively, what to do with it. It seemed like more like a personal thing that friends would use, not a business.
1: Exactly. And that's really how I started. I was working for the Phoenix Suns in the NBA, and Shaquille O'Neal was playing for the team at the time. No bigger personality than him, literally and figuratively. And I started helping him. My job in the front office was to um, oversee digital media and research. I reached out to him one day, and I said, okay, Shaquille, I have this idea because Fans didn't believe it was him behind his tweets, oh, Okay, and we needed to find a way to prove it, and I said, what if we create random acts of Shackness? Totally <laughs> made this up, and he's such a, a cool guy and up for anything, perfect fit for this type of concept, and we did it. We'd start doing a, what we kind of called Twitter tag and hide in tweets, where we'd bridge the virtual world with the physical world, and it worked really well for him, because and we'd take photos of this happening and repurpose them immediately, live, real time. And people would say, oh, this is him. So hundreds of people would show up at where he would say he was, he was located, his literal whereabouts. And it created this reality and this tangible uh, person behind the personality of Shaquille O'Neal.
0: So you started with uh, the, the Phoenix Suns as an employee. I did Correct. and then so where was the transition where you went from employee to entrepreneur? Because that's always such a big stepping stone for people, and a lot of people get very scared at that point. Where was your jumping off point? And you said I'm going to go do this on my own.
1: It was a huge point for me, and it was that kind of "why not now" moment, as I like to call it. I I saw an opportunity. I definitely knew that my um, popularity within the front office. Was not at a peak because I was doing a lot of things, trying a lot of things, experimenting in ways that people were really uncomfortable with. So, although I mean we were in the New York Times one day, and all of a sudden here's this young girl from Wyoming who's now uh, growing a Twitter following alongside Shaquille O'Neal and and being interviewed and asked how are you doing this, and you know my bosses were not. Exactly. Super excited about that because they didn't know what this space was, and we didn't have any rules yet. The league office was uh, not quite sure, you know, what types of rules we needed around this. So I was asking for a lot of uh, forgiveness instead of permission.
0: (laughs) So once -hmm. again, this is Kim Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and the bad news about money. And today we're talking entrepreneurship. We're talking about what's different today, but we're also talking about three of the main pieces that every business must embrace in order to be successful today. And our first guest is Amy Jo Martin. She is the New York Times bestselling author of the book Renegades Write the Rules. She's speaker and founder of Digital Royalty. So Amy Jo, how did you start up Digital Royalty?
1: So it was just me. I decided to make the shift, and I, I jumped. Um, I, I did this, but I also had a plan. And okay. and when it was just me, it was a little easier because I didn't have to be responsible for anyone else. Uh, and I, I had Shaquille O'Neal as my first client, who was a large one, literally, and it really helped put things on the map and just grew organically. I didn't have external funding. Uh, I was bootstrapping it. And it was a very small operation out of my home.
0: Okay. And so we talked earlier about, um, I talked earlier about one of the keys to a successful business is a business must solve a problem. What was the problem you were solving?
1: The problem conceptually was helping brands and individuals, specifically high profile individuals, navigate through this new crazy world of social media.
0: The other part we talked about was that people have to find out about you and how do you get yourself known you had that built in with your social media that was that was how you you were using that tool to get yourself known as well as your clients
1: I was and at the time when I was working with some of these celebrities early on I remember talking to the the Twitter corporate office there were 11 people in the office and they had this issue of imposters they they weren't sure how to handle you know, individuals who are setting up accounts pretending to be a celebrity. So they decided to use the verification system and provide that little blue check next to the name. And they they put one behind my name after they did Shaquille's. He was the very first yes. verified person. I was the second. What that did though, was it increased my following substantially and really started to take off. So, um, You know, that was a moment where all of a sudden there were more eyes on what I was doing. And this is something I was completely uh, not used to, but I realized, you know, I went to school for marketing. I worked at ad agencies prior to the Phoenix Suns. Okay, I'm going to need to treat myself as a brand, I guess, not only my clients, but me.
0: You became the brand, yes. And today we're talking about a very, very important subject called entrepreneurship. So if you are thinking of starting a business, if you are working at a job and playing with the idea of making that big leap from employee to entrepreneur, or even if you have a business and you're and you are wanting to grow it further, this is your program. Because we are talking today with Amy Jo Martin. She's a New York Times bestselling author of Renegades Write the Rules. She's a speaker and the founder of Digital Royalty. And her former clients include Hilton Hotels, Shaq O'Neal, who many of you know, Fox Sports, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So we're talking about what it takes to be a successful entrepreneur today. And one of the first things it takes is your business has to solve a problem. And Amy Jo addressed that brilliantly because she she was kind of a pioneer when it came to the social media world. She had social media expertise when people didn't know what social media was, especially for businesses. So the problem she solved is she taught her clients, and some of these very well-known celebrities, how to use the digital world of social media to make themselves even more successful and their businesses grow greater and bigger. So Amy Joe, thanks again for being on the program.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And in the last segment, we were talking about how you started your business and you and you um, had Shaq O'Neal as your client and you really got your exposure through your own medium called social media. You had 1.1 million people in your downline alone. And then you took on a partner and another celebrity came into your life. What was that? Who was that and what happened? It was Tony Shea, the CEO of
1: Zappos and just visionary. He He was a mentor of mine, a good friend, and I didn't need to take on a partner. You know, we were profitable. The business was growing. We had our, you know, agency services, as I will call it, basically, we're a social media agency. And I was finding that I was always needed in the meetings, even though we were growing, I wasn't scalable. So I was on Mm -hmm. 210 flights one year, the team was awesome. But because I had, in some cases, made a mistake of building the company too much around me in the beginning, which, um, I was a rookie entrepreneur, you know, first time gig, and I'm gonna I gotta I got to so got to stop happened.
0: you I gotta stop you right there, Amy Joe, because now you're touching on the third piece that makes a successful business, and that's scalability. <laughs> How do you leverage you? How do you leverage your business? How do you grow your business? How do you multiply it? So you're you're hitting on the third. Facet of what it takes to be a successful business. So go ahead. Okay, <laughs> so you okay, got this I can, partner. <laughs>
1: I, I am a case study for that. And <laughs> totally how not to? But no. So so the partner was uh, intentionally to bring in some funding to productize our intellectual property, as Tony and I discussed one day. What what does that
0: mean? Productize and that means
1: take what you know and what you've built as the a thought leader and sell it in ways that aren't just through your time, like education online, mm-hmm. like more scalable economic models, instead of just being kind of that agency tired model selling your, your time for my. Yep. So that so- was,
0: that was your strategy to leverage your business. That's how you yes. were going to, that's how you were going to multiply it.
1: We did partner up and he came on board, amazing partner and supporter. So did Baron Davis, who um, was an NBA player and they both, were mentors of mine, and we started to build out the technology. And what happened as this was happening, um, our agency side of the business started growing 300 percent year over year. Wow! So I immediately started to look for a CEO or someone to come in because I I didn't have the experience of running a Six million dollar a year company, mm-hmm. and I we started going global. And you were so.
0: you were the entrepreneur visionary, not necessarily the day to day operations. Yes, that, that was probably I, your expertise.
1: Exactly, and I I was trying to do it all. It I can relate to that. <laughs> I think two hundred and ten flights in one year, trying wow. to oh balance goodness. these relationships, <laughs> your personal health, your personal relationships start to suffer anytime you do that, and you're averaging about four hours of sleep a night. And, um, and you know, it's, it was, um, there were moments where I was approached for acquisition, you know, to sell okay. and it was just too early, but at the same time, my passion for what I was doing was starting to shift. So it was great working with these high profile individuals and these huge brands. I used to have a crush on these logos when I was younger. <laughs> it's day, right? but yep. I started to run into a bit of a purpose problem and I was starting to wonder why I was doing what I was doing. Uh, And the upside was being able to innovate and navigate through this cool new space and do new things and be creative and connect with people, Mm -hmm. make them laugh, entertain them, uh, inspire. But social became more mainstream. And now you have all the huge big ad agencies in the world who were starting to develop their skill sets and provide that. Offering to their clients, so, so a the, lot of
0: the experimenting, a lot of the wonder, a lot of the curiosity, a lot of the fun, kind of got taken over. That's why you love the start. That's, that's why I love the startup too. So did did you take on a CEO?
1: I looked and I looked and I interviewed quite a few. And what was tough was I still had to be in those meetings. When you have Dwayne the Rock Johnson as your client, or if you have, you know, a very senior executive at Hilton who wants the founder of the company, who is the one that sold them and pitched them for the business to begin with. It's hard to let go of that. So um, I wasn't able to, to find the right person. I found some amazing talent, but it just didn't, it, it wasn't going to be transferable um, those relationships. So, so I started to analyze our portfolio became uh, more global, which we, we had people in 10 different countries, uh, when I ended up winding up the company. And that was a lesson in itself. There so keep hold hold on to
0: that point, Amy so, Jo. Okay. <laughs> hold on to that point. Once again, this is Kim Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. I am hosting the show as Robert is outside of the country doing what he does best. And uh, we're talking about entrepreneurship and the three main pieces that you must embrace in order to have a successful, growing business that really makes a difference in the world today. And our first guest is Amy Jo Martin. She is a New York Times bestselling author of the book Renegades Write the Rules. She's a speaker and founder of Digital Royalty. Her clients include Shaq O'Neal, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Hilton Hotels, Fox Sports, and she was partnered with Tony Shea of Zappos.com. So Amy Joe go ahead so you now you're now you're looking for your CEO couldn't find it and I understand that because it took us many many years of give and take and miss and hit until we actually were able to bring on a president and CEO which we have today but it is a it is quite a task to go from entrepreneur and letting go of some of that control and some of the reins and some of the things you love to do so what happened you did not find your CEO And what, and you, and this time you had, you had employees, right?
1: Yeah. 30 employees. Then you add kind of this deficit of purpose and not getting the same ROI personally out of the business that I did originally with, um, the change in the market. So social communication is now mainstream. Everybody has to have a strategy and this is not, um, the cachet has, has decreased. The space is a little different or very different. And, um, our portfolio of clients started to really get a little offsided. So we had some huge clients, but we also had um, a lot of uh, situations where, or, or one specific where there were multiple brands under one global brand that we were working for. So as we started to not necessarily see eye to eye and our alignment wasn't quite there from culture and value standpoint with, with one of our clients, I made the tough choice um, that it was time to part ways, and when I did that, I knew there was a chance the rest of the business could go with it for so th- that brand. So this
0: was one large global brand that had multiple com- m- multiple businesses that you were supporting.
1: Yes. So. Um, what what percentage
0: was... do you think that was of your business?
1: About eighty percent.
0: That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> There's there a good was that a good lesson, Amy Joe? <laughs> was that <welcome>? a good
1: <laughs> I mean obviously it was a huge lesson, but, but here's the situation. Your business is growing year over year, hundred, three hundred percent. You're trying to keep up, find a CEO, trying to diversify.
0: Managing thirty good employees. Good news around, around the
1: world. Um, you you don't want to and this it was a great client, um, and we just started to Kind of outgrow each other, I think. And I knew that if, we, if I pulled this one piece, it was possible they would pull the others. And at this point, though, I was going to lose employees if I didn't do this because we just weren't aligned and um, the, the values weren't the same. Um, it added up to winding up the business, which was very unexpected and surprising to the outside. We had been profitable since day one and done very well. Um, but I knew that even if we sold, I would have to be with that company for probably three to five years.
0: So, Amy Jo, um, you know we have a lot of listeners here who are entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs. What what are some of the lessons, one or two or three lessons that you're going to take into your new venture that you could share with with our listeners?
1: One was we were a service based company, so there was a amount of time in the day and that we had to sell our our time, and that taps out right. So. The scalability was a challenge, especially when it came to high-profile individuals. So so scalability was a huge lesson, Mm -hmm. and you can't scale your own self. Like, There's one of you, and you can get assistance, and you can get other people, but when it comes to your time of the day, you can only be at one place at one time. Um, Another thing I learned, which was huge, is I don't love to manage people. I love, Surprise! I love, I love to mentor people.
0: Yes, but I big am difference. Not
1: that that wants Would to you? make sure you're doing what you're supposed to do, and yes. I'm—I don't enjoy it. I don't think people enjoy being managed by me at times. So um, you know, your, that, you know
0: your skills. That's <laughs> very important. No, that's very important. Yeah,
1: yeah. And my biggest one was realizing that where passion, purpose, and skill collide. Uh, bliss resides it sounds fluffy it sounds like bs but you know what as soon as that purpose and the passion started drifting you can't sustain a drought of passion if you have no purpose right? right so and it's a moving target so you really have to check in with yourself and make sure that you know where you stand
0: that, that's fantastic because, you know, a lot of women, let's talk about women for just a moment, because a lot of women, I uh, ask them, you know, what is most important to you? What's most meaningful to you? And a lot of women don't know because they're so tied up in so many different roles that when you do discover your passion and you find it weaning, I mean, that, that's, that's a huge piece. to that, that takes a lot of courage to walk away from a very successful business to say, I need to go do something else now. Now, I want to ask you, your next venture, um, you have a new podcast coming out. Tell me about that.
1: Yes, I'm doing a few different things. I have a podcast coming out. It's called Why Not Now with Amy Jo. I bring on some fascinating people. I, the thing that I am so grateful for, one of the many things, is being surrounded by who I call professional why notters for the
0: last 15 years. Well, you've years. had some fantastic <laughs> mentors, which is another given for business. Um, having successful mentors is huge.
1: Yes. And, and side note, they've all been men, um, yes. but they've all had a lot of feminine qualities. To <laughs> so that's, um, that's an interesting, uh, another You want to learn
0: from the best people, whether they're male, female, doesn't matter.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it, by no means am I saying, I just, yeah. through the industries I've, I've been in, there have been more men, um, but I have a strong passion for supporting women in business and accelerating that process of breaking through. But the why not now, Podcast is really helping other people dissect that question of why not now when they're thinking about doing something and they've maybe been thinking about doing it for a long time and help them through that process because it's not easy. It is a bit of a practice that you have yes, to yeah. build and learn. And so I bring these people on: Mark Cuban, Troy Aikman, Sophia Amoruso, who is just on the cover of cover of Forbes, and and ask them. How do they navigate through certain times and specific moments when they've had those, those decisions to make? What were they? What did the day look like? What was the
0: step-by-step? I, l- and, I, uh, love, that. I love that. So where do we find the podcast?
1: So it will be available on iTunes, and okay. I have not launched it yet, but it will be available at the end of August. End of um, August so- called
0: Why Not Now? So we've been having a wonderful program so far. We're talking about entrepreneurship, and we're talking about the three broad pieces that must be part of any business, any successful business. And our earlier guest was Amy Jo Martin, She's a New York Times best-selling author of Renegades Write the Rules. She's the speaker and founder of Digital Royalty. When we talk about the three pieces that must be part of any successful business, if you want a small business and you just want to solve the problem of I need some more money, then these pieces may not apply. But if you want to build a business that really does make a difference in the world, then you do need these three things. And Amy Jo validated all of these, and we did not rehearse this, but she did validate every single one of them, which was one, your purpose must solve a problem. Because if it does not, then the only problem it's going to solve is maybe putting some more bucks in your in your pocket and your family's. Number two, people have to hear about you. How do you get yourself known? Amy Jo talked about how she did it through Shaq O'Neal and her business tool, which was social media. And number three is leverage, scalability, how do you grow your business, especially if you're a service type business? How do you grow it beyond how do you, how do you grow it to an international brand is what we're talking about. So our next guest, very exciting, her name is Felina Hansen, and Felina is the founder of Hera Hub, and it's a spa inspired. This is interesting. A spa inspired shared workplace and community for female entrepreneurs. And Felina is the author of Flight Club, Rebel, Reinvent, and Thrive, How to Launch Your Dream Business. So, Felina, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Kim. excited to be here. Oh, I'm excited to have you. So, you basically started your business from scratch, right? Yes, I did, yeah.
2: And to your point in the intro, I had a problem. What was, and, uh, what was the problem
0: and what, how did you solve it?
2: Absolutely. So I was that female service provider you you also mentioned in your intro that was having a hard time scaling her business. I had a marketing strategy firm for eight years that uh, actually resulted from, in my 20s, working in the technology startup world and getting laid off three times by the age of 30. And so my first business wasn't a brilliant idea it was just, gosh darn it, I want to control my own destiny.
0: What was um, it? Was it, were you laid off because the businesses were so, so early startup or?
2: Yeah, they were pretty early stage. Two, two of the firms sold and one ran out of money.
0: Oh, okay. So, <laughs> you know, was this kind of the dot com bubble bursting? Yes, yeah. Yes, okay.
3: It.
2: A bit of that, for sure. So. You know, and that's, that is kind of the way of the world now. You know, that's that's what we're seeing and a lot of transition. And I think for women especially, you know, we're having this opportunity, if you'd like to call it, to reinvent ourselves um, at several points in our lives. And so I did just that. I became an entrepreneur. I have entrepreneurship in my, my genes, so to speak. So it was uh, kind of about time, so to speak, to go on my own path. And I worked out of my home like a lot of people do. It's cost effective and of course convenient, but I missed having that sense of community. I missed having people to bounce ideas off of and collaborators. And frankly, I just missed being creative and I was having a hard time doing that in my silo. And so I started investigating Kim, this workspace model called co-working spaces that's come out of the tech world. And what I found was a lot of really cool co-working spaces that all target 22-year-old male programmers,
0: basically. <laughs> so a work, a co-working space is what? A co-working
2: space is a shared workspace. So uh, kind of working alone together is, is the phrase that we use, meaning uh, folks that are starting a business, consultants, freelancers, coming together into a physical workspace and not necessarily building businesses together, but having that sense of community to bounce ideas off of each other and what was missing in the market was a space that particularly my tribe, female entrepreneurs, really felt comfortable in. Felt inviting and warm and professional and also being around like minded people. You know, again, I use that word tribe a lot of
0: you know, being around your tribe and so, so, what, so, what, short, so you're you're doing these co working spaces for women. What specifically is different for women having it all women based versus mixed yeah. base? What's the difference? Yeah, great
2: question. Yeah. So number one, we're female focused but not exclusive to women. And really the difference is environment, number one. As you mentioned, it's a spa inspired workspace. It's beautiful, it's zen, it's productive, it's clean it's professional. Um, you really do. People walk in and they just, they take a sigh of relief and relax immediately and say, oh my gosh, I, I just feel entirely differently walking into this space. So that's number one. But number two, it's that focus on community. Women are natural collaborators. We're natural community builders. And giving women that, that opportunity to step into a space that's I don't mean physically safe, but safe in regards to, you know, starting business is hard and yep, yep. we don't have all the answers and it's okay to be vulnerable and say, I don't know what the heck I'm doing, please help me. Um, and and it, it tends to work a little differently when you are in that more
0: female culture um, to be open and vulnerable and ask for help. So a woman would come to you if she has she's starting up a business or she's thinking of starting a business or she has a business um is it pretty much she and maybe is is she a sole sole entrepreneur yes it just the yeah, one most,
2: most of our members exactly so most of our members are small businesses we have a lot of folks that are consulting or freelancing um we ha- way heavily on the professional services side so a lot of folks in you know attorneys and folks in finance and marketing and pr and authors so to speak these, this is not the f- next Facebook. <laughs> you know, we're not incubating right. the next Airbnb. We're serving women where they are, and you know, for a lot of women, and and not everybody has the dream of having a hundred million dollar business with a thousand employees. Some people really enjoy what they do, and they want to do it well, and they want to enjoy their life, and they want to make a nice living at it. And there's nothing wrong with that,
0: right? But and but what I'm also hearing, uh, Felina, is that. You're, you're creating a space. So if somebody has a business, they have no place to go. They have to meet at Starbucks or if they need to exactly. meet at, at lunch or they need to, somebody has to come to their house, which isn't very professional. But what else I'm hearing is you have this network of women who are supporting each other, correct? Correct. You've got yeah. it, Kim. So, so I also see, and, and you do educational pieces there as well, right? You bring in Lots. people and uh, for yes. seminars yeah. and talks. And so I, I actually, yeah. I actually, it's very exciting. I, I actually see you're kind of an a launching pad for female entrepreneurs. I mean, because a lot of women I talk to, they want to start their own business, but they have no idea how. So you're, you're more than, I think, providing a space. I think you're actually a catalyst to create female entrepreneurs. Yes,
2: that's exactly it. And that's why I wrote the book recently, because I'm only on the West and East Coast at the moment. We are expanding through a licensing model, both nationally and actually internationally. We've Been uh, connected with a woman in Stockholm, Sweden, who were in final discussions to open a Hera hub in Sweden. So we may be international soon. But I'm not able to reach my my goal or my mission unless I can reach more people through some of these other channels I'm using. So my vision and goal is to support 20,000 women in the launch and growth of their business by 2020. And, you know, we're a fair bit of the way there through our current locations, both on the West Coast and Southern California and also the East Coast in Washington, D.C. But we have a long ways to go, and so that's why I wrote the book, is to reach more women.
0: Wonderful. Again, this is Kim Kiyosaki. I am hosting the show as Robert is out of the country, and we're talking with Felina Hansen. The subject is entrepreneurship, and uh, I basically identify three things that need to be part of any business, and we're talking with Felina about, number one, your business must solve a problem, of which hers is, for women who are starting out in business and don't have a place to go or need to network with other women, other mentors, get education. Number two, people have to hear about you. So uh, Felina Hansen is the founder of Hera Hub a spa-inspired workspace and community for female entrepreneurs. And she is the author of Flight Club, Rebel, Reinvent, and Thrive, How to Launch Your Dream Business. Her website, Hera, H-E-R-A, herahub.com. So um, people are starting to hear about you now, Felina. And as we talked in the first segment, we talked about one of the, the third thing that is important, I believe that's important for any business, is scalability, leverage. How do you grow your business so you're talking about creating a licensing model. So if I'm I'm interested and I say I want to open up a Hera Hub, what 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 do I have to do? Tell me. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, we'll and then tell it. me how you make money, because that's always yes. you know the bottom line. The 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 line I heard recently was you got to have the green before you have the dream. So
2: so we are looking for women who are both leaders and also connectors. It is a very specific profile we're looking for, frankly. It's somebody who loves supporting community, who has roots in a particular community, wants to continue to build roots in that community, and is passionate about supporting women specifically as it relates to entrepreneurship. And frankly, that's not an easy person to find, Um, also being somebody at the right stage of their life, that they're wanting to invest and able to invest in a brick-and-mortar business. Now, this is not nearly as expensive as a lot of other concepts. We've really worked very hard over the last five years to keep costs down, to create systems and models that are replicatable, that we can make sure that we're maximizing every square foot and every opportunity. So uh, we make money through a couple ways. So the locations are membership-based. Somebody is a member, they're invited in to be a member, they're screened, they're approved to be a member, and then they're part of the community Our licensing expansion is much like that. Somebody does pay an upfront licensing fee for all the systems and model and training and website and marketing plans and everything that goes into building a business has really done a very good job pulling that together and teaching that. But then in an ongoing fashion, we make, instead of a royalty fee that sometimes is seen in licensing or franchising, it's simply a flat monthly membership fee that the licensee pays for ongoing support And resources with not only our founding team but also the other location owners and
0: directors so this so these people also have to have access to educational resources um, maybe other women who are entrepreneurial who can come in and teach these people these other women so yeah how we work we don't actually invite anybody from the outside it is all to support our membership we build
2: a strong platform and get the right people on the bus so to speak And we then allow those members to share their expertise into the community. We have some of the most incredible women, you know, smart, educated, ambitious, and they are really just giving back into the community their expertise and resources. And we do that through programming and sort of expert guru hours, as we call it, and a variety of things. So not about bringing folks in from the outside. It's about building the strong platform for our members to be able to make magic, so to speak. And are your members only women? No, actually, we have a handful of men who are members okay. as well. So yeah, Well, we you can le- we're men can learn a lot like from it.
0: women business owners. <laughs>
2: exactly, yeah. If they like the environment of running water and candles and soft music and nice lighting and, you know, the, the environment, they're, they're welcome as well.
0: So as I'm I'm envisioning myself as like part of Shark Tank, and I'm like looking to invest in this business. (laughs) And and I I would say, you know, I still go back to I I think you're I think what you're doing is you what's more exciting to me is it's like you're a launching pad. You're a catalyst for female entrepreneurs, not just not just women that said, okay yes, I want to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to go there and I need a space. But there's women out there all over the world right now. I mean, the, the fastest growing segment is women owned businesses. And 90 yes. percent of those businesses are just one employee themselves. But yep. so many women don't know where to go or how to get started. And you're kind of giving them that platform to get started. And that would I mean, I'm just talking from a marketing standpoint. I think that's that's a, that's the sell. Yes, absolutely. You got it. And then, uh, and you do have a little limited. I've been in a business and seminar business, and and our limitation in terms of growing and leveraging was we had to find that person to open up our seminar center all over the world, and that's a tough. That's a tough find sometimes. That does it limit you right. because yeah, you have to does. find that specific kind of person.
2: It does, but Kim, for me, I mean, the brand and the brand experience to our members is so important. I would rather not grow, you know, as quickly, but find the right individuals to carry that brand torch to really understand, then try to be in a thousand places, you know, in a few years. So, right. you know, if we end up with, you know, 25 locations by 2020, I would be more than happy, and, you know, thrilled to be able to you know, give other women an opportunity to launch their own business using our model and then continue to support their own community.
0: Right. And, and you have leveraged yourself through your book called Flight Club, Rebel, Reinvent and Thrive, How to Launch Your Dream Business, which is, sounds like a great, great book, sounds like a great product. So if I can just ask you, Felina, for our listeners, we have entrepreneurs, we have wanna-be entrepreneurs, we have people that are just kind of playing with the idea of going from employee to entrepreneur. What tips would you give them?
2: Absolutely. So number one, we always recommend what we call side launching. Keep your day job and start to test because there are 24 hours in a day and hopefully you don't have a job that takes, you know, 14 of those hours. But, you know, there is always weekends and nights to be able to test your idea. Um, this is going to sound probably crazy, um, <laughs> but save a little money. Um, get yourself in a situation where you know you can step out of your j o b as we like to say into an entrepreneurial experience, and last but not least, find a community and don't do it alone. We say it takes a village to raise a business and and so wherever you are, find community and support
0: that that's very good news. We say the same thing. we say, you know don't quit your day job, start a part time business. <laughs> Right. And what's exactly. what you, it's yeah. what you do in your spare time, really, that makes the difference, because we all, yeah. we all have spare time. A lot of us say, oh, we don't have any spare time. But if you look at it, we all have spare time. It's just how we use that time. And I, I think, I too, what I really like about what you're doing is for women, I think what's one of the most important things, as you say, this community, women do need, and I find this as I talk to women all over the world, they do want that support base, They do want other people to talk with. And when we do seminars for all women, it's a very different dynamic when we have a group Mm -hmm. full of women versus a mixed audience because women do tend to share more. They do tend to tell what's really going on. And some of these women, I got to tell you, are brilliant when it comes to business. Many of them are. So it it gives them an uh, opportunity to really let their talents and their gifts out. For a lot of women... And I find this all over the world. For a lot of women, their true gifts and their true talents and their entrepreneurial spirit doesn't come out unless there's an emergency, like a divorce, mm-hmm. like a death of a spouse, mm-hmm. something to those, uh, to that effect. So I think it's uh, wonderful that you are really encouraging women to be entrepreneurs and giving them. A, a platform to to grow it and to work with other women and to bring in that educational resource because that mentorship is so important. The first guest was Amy Joe Martin, she's the New York Times best-selling author of the book Renegades Write the Rules, speaker and founder of Digital Royalty, and our other guest Felina Hansen, she is the founder of Hera Hub which is a spa-inspired shared workplace and community for female entrepreneurs. She's actually a launching pad for female entrepreneurs. And the author of Flight Club, Rebel, Reinvent, and Thrive, How to Launch Your Dream Business. So we're now going into Ask Kim. Uh, thank you all for submitting all your questions over all these months
3: and years. You can submit your questions to Robert at richdadradio.com. So, Melissa, what's the first question today? Our first question today comes from Donna in Belleville, Illinois. Favorite book, Midas Touch. If your opinion is that my home is not an asset... Does it become an asset if I rent it out to pay the mortgage? I'm renting to own my son's house until I can build my credit to purchase the home in my name. Then I plan to use the small one-bedroom cottage on the property to pay most of the mortgage while I live in the main house. What are your thoughts on my plan? (laughs)
0: I'm loving this. What is her name? Donna. Donna from Belleville, Illinois. Donna, congratulations. You are really taking this information and putting it into practice. I love it. You actually have a, a three part plan here, and you're asking if you rent out your existing house, does it become, does it go from a liability to an asset? And the simple answer is if you're renting out the house and that income is paying the mortgage, the taxes, the insurance, the upkeep, if that's paying for all of that, then yes, it's an asset. And uh, it's putting money in your pocket every month. So that's the difference between an asset and a liability. A liability takes money out of your pocket and an asset puts money in your pocket, whether you work or not. I like the other two parts of your plan, too. You're renting to own. It sounds like you're renting to own your son's house while you build up your credit. So obviously you don't have the best credit. So you're renting to own it. Once that credit gets built up, you can purchase it. And then you're going to use the cottage on the same property, rent that out. And if you, again, you could turn your house, again, from an asset to a liability if the rent from that one-bedroom cottage pays for the mortgage and all the upkeep taxes and insurance of your house, of that property. So, um, Donna, congratulations. I, I love the plan and keep going and work towards it because that's exactly how Robert and I started. We started with one small property that put money in our pocket every month and we
3: grew it from there. So, congratulations, Donna, Next question, Melissa. Our next question comes from Kara, favorite book, Rich Woman. Oh, Kara. I like Kara. Yes. Good book. Good book. Yes. She's from San Diego, California. She says, I'm worried about how to get my husband to let me in on our family's finances. I know it's important that I understand everything in regards to our money, but he just keeps telling me not to worry about it. What advice do you have for me to make my husband let me in on managing our money? Boy, we get that question a lot, don't we, Melissa? Yes, we do. A lot. (laughs) Yes, we do. It's important.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, and there's two parts to it. I mean, a lot of times when women approach their husbands, the husband gets threatened. Like, she might be saying, "Um, I want to know more, and he might hear, you're not trusting me. So there could be a little threatening there, but here's here's a statistic, Um, and you got to be aware of this. You know, divorce rate here in the U.S. is about fifty percent. Fifty percent of marriages ends in divorce. But here's even the more important statistic: is of the elderly living in poverty, seventy five percent are women. Yet eighty percent of those women were not poor when their husbands were alive. So he passes away. She doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know what she's got. She doesn't know what to do with it. But of course, other people know what to do with her money. And the next thing you know, she's broke. So it's so important for any married woman, any single woman to know what you've got and especially to know where it is in order to be
3: a financially secure, rich woman. That's it. Melissa, next question. Our next question comes from Brianne, Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. She's from Brooklyn, New York. She says, my biggest fear is that I'll be, quote, a bag lady in the streets when I get older. I so 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 many women have that. A They want to be a bag. They're,
0: they're afraid to be a bag. Even the most successful people, even Madonna has this fear of being a bag woman.
3: Right. So it surprises me. Right. Brienne says, she says, I'm in my 30s and I don't know how to get started with investing. What advice do you have for me? Well, there's mm-hmm. a lot you can do, Brianne. Um Number one. I want to start, number
0: one, you've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Great. Read, read Rich Woman. Actually, even better than Read It. Do a study group with Rich Woman. Get two or three of your girlfriends together. I do this on a regular, ongoing basis. We use GoToMeeting and I do this with my three girlfriends and we study books together all year long. We're reading a book right now called Presence and we study it together because the what you learn from each other is much more than what you learn just by yourself. So I would get Rich Woman or another book on investing, another Rich Dad book, study it online with a group. Go online and get the cash flow game. You can play it for free. It's for free. You can play it with people all over the world. And then once you have a little bit of education, you got to put some money down. A little bit. You know, go buy a share of stock, two, two shares of stock. Just because you put some money down, you're going to pay attention to what's happening with that stock. Or I often, I often recommend you go out and buy a one-ounce silver coin it's going to cost you about $18 US today to do that. And you buy that silver coin, you go to a precious metals dealer, and you'll watch every day, what's the price of silver doing? Is it up? Is it down? You'll start to study gold. Is it Why is gold up and silver down? And you become this mini expert because you put a little money on the line. So just start small. Do small things. Study group with a book. Go online. Play cash flow game. Buy a one ounce silver coin. Buy some stocks. But get started. Don't don't have this thought in your head, I don't know what to do, because you do know what to do. I just gave you a few things right now. So get started, Brianna. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.